Listen, I'm going to talk a little bit about um, the church in Rome and Paul's writings to Rome, but they are so applicable to us. So we, we want to not just think it was for the Romans, it's for the, the Americans and, uh, and the Asians online and, and the Africans, the Europeans and South Americans and all that. And of course, don't leave out the Aussies. Yeah, so thank you. So let, let's talk a little bit about it. Paul, in this uh, chapter, uh, chapter 6, we're going to talk about, uh, continue to talk about being, uh, being dead with Christ, dying with him. And it's an amazing display of the wisdom of God for us. I would like to just say, I want to say it in, in an emphatic way. Uh, I want to really do that and so emphasize what I'm about to say. And that is that most of us live beneath our privilege as believers. Most of us, we don't see what God has done because we have been dealt a terrible blow by being also secular at the same time we are spiritual. We are spiritual beings and we want to walk in that and not allow the secularization of the, of the church, of the things of God, to affect us, you know, and so that, that's how we have to do that. We can resist, and then we'll show you today, I believe, the power of that, what God has done, and we're not, we haven't really realized our power, we haven't realized our authority, but we should do that even today. Uh, so in, in, um, in um, Romans chapter 6, verse 7, he says, for he who has died has been freed from sin. So he wants us to grasp that. He who has died has been freed from sin. So that means that, that though everybody who is in Christ Jesus, sin is not a big problem. Okay? You may think it's a big problem right now for you because you have not, as it were, gone to school and learned all, all that you have in Christ. But, but we're going to keep you there today. Then Paul says in verse 8, and I want to to read these three verses uh, because when we start to read verse 10, I want you to be caught up with me. On verse 8, he says, now if we died with Christ, this doesn't mean if we died like this conditional. If he was talking to a mixed audience, it could be uh, if we died. We want to understand it as if we died. But uh, talking to you, I'm going to say since we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So that means we have a Settled confidence and trust that since we died with Christ and God did this miraculous work through the Holy Spirit, that we died with Christ, then we, we have Christ's life and we are in Christ. Uh, we have his history. We died with him. And also we have, quote unquote, his future. Uh, so we, we will live with him. So that means that uh, something really good I won't tell you right now. Okay. Now, since we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing, knowing. This is something that is settled for the believer. Knowing. Like, I know who I am right now. I know where I am. I know my name. So, so that, that gives me the ability to operate in confidence. And, and uh, my faith is a settled issue. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. He does not die again. 
Death no longer has dominion over him. Now, Christ doesn't die. Why? Because according to God, our Heavenly Father says, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, the judgment. So God decided beforehand that you and I should be conformed to the image of his son. He decided that beforehand. And I often, maybe I drive these points home over and over and over um, so that hopefully they will never come out of you. They'll never back out of you. You'll, you'll have them forever. And that is since God decided to do this for you before the foundation of the earth, there's nothing in the earth that can take it away. That's what we have to realize. This is just the, the righteousness of God. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, let's turn there. We'll, we'll preach this a little bit more later on in the weeks to come. But, he, but Paul says to us, for whom he foreknew. So he knew you before time. God knew you before time. You didn't know God, but God knew you before time. He says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn of many brethren. You know, I, I like to talk about Jesus being the first begotten. You know, he is, at one juncture, he was the only begotten. But then, because of his effective work, he is now the first begotten, because you and I have now been begotten of God. Now, being begotten of God was not just a verbal thing that God said or did. God, God, the Holy Spirit, came and renewed us, regenerated us, until we are now a new uh, creation. We are a new people. We are not the people we used to be. Now, this brings us to our lesson in verse 10. Uh, this is Romans chapter 6, I believe, verse, I believe part 3. And so, he says, for the death that he died, Jesus... He died to sin once for all. And once for all, I think, has two meanings. He, he died for sin once. His sacrifice was effective. Amen. It was effective. He didn't need several deaths. You know, didn't need, like the Old Testament sacrifices, always bringing another animal, another animal, another animal. Uh, because Jesus' uh, sacrifice on the cross was enough once forever. Yes. Never has to do it again. And then another meaning is that he did it once for everybody. I know there are people who say, no, Jesus did not die for the sin of the whole world. I disagree. We don't have to be enemies because I disagree with that. Jesus died for the sin of the whole world. Everybody's not accepting it, but his death was so what we call efficacious, you know. Uh, efficacious is, I like that word because it means highly effective. It's like there's no wiggle room there. So his death was highly effective. It was efficacious enough to save everybody. There are 117 billion people that Brother John Brown told us have been on the planet. And, and then if we had a, another 117 billion, his death would suffice that. On and on and on and on and on. That's how effective our salvation is. So what Paul wants to do, he wants to inculcate, drive in, embed, drum it in to believers in Rome that they don't have to be guided by the secularism there or the paganism there. N neither should we. Neither should we. we. We should not gravitate to that stuff. I know that we want a safe community, but the most effective thing we can do is pray. Is really to seek God and pray. Pray first. Don't try all the other stuff and then pray. 
You know, it's like the person who, who rescued a dog. I told you the story. Maybe y'all have forgotten about it. This person rescued the dog. Y'all remember the dog story? Okay, you don't remember the dog story. If my wife doesn't remember the dog story, that means that I didn't tell it enough. <laughs> so they, they rescued this dog, and uh, just the dog was hurt. They took it to the vet, and the bill was over $800. And the person came to me and said, we, we can't handle this dog. Can we pray now? I said, no. I said, well, you wanted to, you, why didn't you pray first? I said, now you want to pray now that it's going to cost you 800 bucks or more. And, and so that, I mean, don't, I wasn't a real cruel person, I wanted, but I was driving home a point. You pray first. Prayer is very effective, highly effective. All right? Highly effective. And, and so let's, let's continue here. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Now, now what Paul is implying in this verse is that Jesus died to sin. Once, in other words, he died out of the realm of sin, out of, out of sin's sphere. So, you know, he, he is a new creation, the first fruits of a new mankind. So in, in reality, though Jesus was walking on the earth, Jesus was living a different life. Jesus was the first resurrected person. And, and uh, somebody would ask questions about him. He was a flesh and bone person. He was not a flesh and blood person. He had shed his blood, all of his blood. And what he said, somebody, somebody said, made a comment once that, well, uh, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how Jesus, uh, you know, maneuvered, you know, through the earth and whatever. What kind of body did he have? So he had a, a body that, that could be touched, could be felt. He said to Thomas, who was doubting that he had risen from the dead, says, stick your hand not on my side, in my side. Wow. Put your fingers in the nail holes. But he could still walk through a wall. And he did walk through a wall, walk through the wall, and, and though he had a body that could be touched, could be felt, we walked it through a wall, and I remember hearing a scientist say once, he said, that was a miracle that he walked through the wall, but it was even a bigger miracle that you could see him do it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but that just got my little old uh, seventh grade science juices flowing. So let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 20, verses 24 through 28. Let's look at Acts chapter 2. Speaking of Jesus, he says, whom God raised up. That's very big. Now, what do you say? Pastor, why are you giving us this information? Because you need to be fully assured and settled that you are saved. You are saved. That there's nothing that can come against you that can pull you away from God, no matter how severe it is. No matter how crazy the world around us is, maybe even somebody sitting next to you in church, no matter. Listen, he says, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, listen, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. It was not possible that death could hold him. And so uh, Paul cites David and it says, for David says concerning him, concerning Christ, I foresaw the Lord always. So David saw him before he came. You know, and so that's, that's mind-blowing to me. Like a thousand years or so before, 
David says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he's speaking here, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. He is at my right. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. Wow. For he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken, that I may not lose hope that I may not think that the things around me are more formidable than what God has said about me and what God has done in me. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also would rest in hope for you, God, you, Yahweh, will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You won't leave David you won't leave David, his soul in Hades, the place of, of the departed righteous dead. You won't see, leave it there, nor will you allow your Holy One, Christ Jesus, my, the seed of David, to see corruption. You have made me to know the ways of life. This is what he says. This is what he says. This is what he says. And so, so Jesus' resurrection is a guarantee that you will have a bodily resurrection like his, and, and more so, even more, I, I, I would like to say. So let me look at this. Also, we, we see the power of Jesus' resurrection, his death and his resurrection in John chapter 10, verses 17 through 18. When John says, uh, speaking of Jesus, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. Listen to this. I, I love this. No one takes it from me. Wow. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So what Jesus is saying, yes, uh, the writer Luke explains it in, uh, in Acts when he says that as Peter's preaching, he says, that Jesus, yes, was crucified, but you took your wicked hands and did it. But nobody took it from him. He was a willing sacrifice. And so this is, for me, confidence in everything that God has ever spoken to me concerning my life and concerning eternity. It's confidence that Jesus Christ willingly gave himself. Nobody could just take his life. And in Colossians chapter 3, one through three, we, we want to bring these, what I call these witnesses, these scriptural witnesses to testify to all of us. Yeah, I could just read it out of Romans and, and, and listen to what Paul is saying, but Paul is bringing witnesses. He, he brings uh, Moses as a witness in Genesis. He brings uh, David as a witness several times. And so I want to bring uh, the letter to the Colossians as a witness. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, Seek those things which are above. Now, let's go back. Since then you were raised with Christ. Since then you were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above, heavenly things. Where Christ is, where is Christ? Sitting at the right hand of God. That's where he is. Sitting at the right hand of God. Verse 2, he says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Not 
on things on the earth. Verse 3, for you died. He's, he's, he's talking to the believers in Rome, and he's talking to the believers in Corpus Christi and wherever you may be online watching. He says, for you died. This is power. Why? Because since you died, you can only die once. Yeah, because you, the old man that you used to be is, is not empowered against you anymore. For you died. And let's see what happens. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So then, because we share it in death, in the death of the Lord, God didn't share it as it were in our redemption, but the Father's wisdom placed us in Christ in death. And so now, when we are in Christ, we are baptized into Christ by the Holy Spirit. The baptism in water doesn't save you. It's a picture of what God did. It's a picture of what God did. And so that baptism, we dunk you under, right? And uh, so, so when we immerse you, we dip you. I like my pickling recipe I gave you. Yeah. Putting the cucumber in vinegar until that vinegar solution is inside the cucumber. So that's the idea of baptism. But also there's a an idea of baptism. It's called identification. You remember when Moses was, uh, the Bible says, and maybe I'll read it later. But, uh, the Bible says that, that all the Israel was baptized into Moses and into the sea. So why? They identified with Moses. Moses was their deliverer. So where Moses went, they went. Moses, as it were, went into death in the sea with the walls of water around him, came up on the other side victorious. Yeah. And so they did too. And so just as Christ now went into death, took us with him, came out victorious, we are victorious. Yeah, we are victorious too. So we've got to know that and then walk in that. Somebody shout hallelujah for me. So you and I now identify with Christ. Where's, where's my identity? Now listen, in Christ. Thank you so much for that. Yeah, in Christ. Uh, I, um, you know, you, you have sent me, as, as my, and many others here, around the world to preach the gospel. You did that. Now, and I appreciate you doing that. And when I'm going around the world, I am identified as a man of God, as a Christ-centered person. But I'm also identified as an American. Because this is the home of my birth, the land of my birth. And so I'm identified that. So I have those two identities. But the primary one, the most powerful one, is my identity with Christ. That should be yours as well. We're not going to demean the other. But we're not going to equate it with the former. Can I hear an Amen. Yeah, so this is so amazing. I mean, we are now one with the greatest victor, not just in the history of the earth, in the history of the universe. <laughs> I mean, wow. So when we leave here, we're going somewhere. And so wherever he is, we're going to be there. Wow, wow, let me go on. Verse 11. I just got one of my verses there. You can blame one of our pastors here who said, go slowly. We are, we'll be all right. <laughs> yeah. Verse 11 says, likewise, you also. Likewise, you also. Just as Christ is, likewise, you also. You're the same. Likewise, you also. Reckon yourselves 
to be dead indeed to sin. You're not, you don't live in sin's sphere anymore because you are a new creation. You have been what is born again. So you have been born again. You weren't born again to be in the same created order. You're born again. And so by, be, by going into death and coming out, you now live in a new realm. But, but this is what Paul says, reckon. Put it on the books. Put it on the books. All right? That you are dead to sin, listen, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I like but in this case. I, I like but in this case. Um, a, a number of years ago, Sister Kemp would, would teach and she would, she would say to me sometimes, she said, Something to this effect, she said, uh, use and sometimes. <laughs> so I do, I use and when, it, when it's appropriate. But in this, this is beautiful, beautiful, but, right? But, but, okay, we are alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So then what Paul is, is uh, telling us, implying, is that, you and I should not live our lives in reference to sin. We live our lives in reference to God. Our hope is in God who raised Jesus from the dead. I mean, if you can raise somebody from the dead, we know that, that, that when you're dead, you're dead. I mean, you don't know anything about what's going on here. You have nothing to do with what's going on here. And, and Jesus was dead, and God raised him up. Yeah. And so when Paul is saying spiritually, he raised you up too. And, and, and so, wow. Yeah, wow. So let, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at verses 5 through 6. And then we'll, we'll get further understanding about who we are now. Now, why am I teaching this? Just to give you information, no. So that you and I might walk in this confusing, crazy world. We may walk as children of light. We might know who we are. And then that way, and don't just come to church. I'm speaking not to you here, uh, uh, but those of you may be, who may be online, and some of you may just say, well, I like doing church at home. I'm saying the Bible is not for that. I mean, the, the Word of God doesn't just say that. I can understand if you have some uh, problem and you need to be home. I understand that. I understand that fully. But when you can, you ought to always assemble yourself with God's people. It would be like my hand staying at the house while the rest of me is here. You know, you, we, are, we are members one or the other. And it's not so much what, what always what you can get. Well, I can get it all here, but you can't give it all there. Yeah? yeah. So, so let's work this thing out. And, and the scripture is very clear. It says, it's all the more. Assemble together all the more as you see that day approaching. And if you can't see that day approaching, man, you need to come to church every time, even during the week. <laughs> All right. So I got my little thing in there. Verse 5, Ephesians 2, 5. Even when we were dead in trespasses, God, he made us alive together. Our, our God and Father made us the, uh, alive together with Christ. He, and so we identify with Christ. He made us alive together with Christ. He says, by grace you have been saved. So he wants us to know we didn't have anything to do with it. In that, in that grace gave us a sane moment 
Well, we could say, oh, man, I've been crazy. Lord Jesus, I, Lord God, you, you're, you're real. I mean, that was grace. By grace, you have been saved. All right? That's what he says. By grace, you have been saved. Uh, what else does it say? Show me. And raised, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places where? In Christ Jesus. So let me read that all together. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sin, God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so this is what Paul is saying, is that you and I rule and reign from our position, our exalted position as being in Christ at the right hand of God the Father. I know that sounds too good to be true, but that's, that's, that's good. Now, listen, this is where our position, so we have to learn that. If you were shooting a, a arrows using a bow, you'd have to learn how to shoot. If you had a rifle and you were shooting, you'd have to learn how to shoot. If you were playing basketball, you'd have to learn how to shoot, learn how to dribble. And so, likewise, we have to learn how to live from this position in Christ. So a lot, of people, a lot of us don't know. I'm learning. I told you, at my age, I'm learning. That doesn't mean that, I, you know, I'm not through learning. I remember as a young man, I thought, I just want to get a job where I can learn everything and stop going to school all the time. I have never stopped going to school. When I went to school in the, in the, as a six-year-old, I've been going to school since. Sometimes I go, I've gone to the school of hard knocks, but I've been going to school, and I've learned a lot. I'm so grateful that the Lord has continued to school me in his word. Okay, you can continue to be schooled in the word of God. So you're, you're going to always learn. You can learn the easy way or the hard way. All right. Listen, let's go to Colossians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. You're, are you there? He says, buried with him in baptism, in which you also were raised with him through faith, in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Isn't that big? Isn't that big? And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having, listen, forgiven you all trespasses, everything past and everything present. So in verse 12, let's go back to Romans 6, 12. So we want to understand. Go back to Romans 6, 12. So as a result of these scriptures I've read, these witnesses, that God has done something for you. You may not always feel it. You may not always get the little goose bumps, the little chills down your spine. You don't need them. Oh, they're good to have every now and then. Oh, man, I felt that. You know, but you don't need them. Why? Because you have the certainty of God's word. God cannot lie. See, and this is why Scripture says, if God is for you, who can be against you? This is what, no one. This is what God has done for us. And this is also what I believe is that we're going to walk in it like we've never walked in it before. We're going to walk in it like we've never walked in it before. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. So you don't have to let sin uh, dominate you. I know sometimes we, we get upset, and, and frankly, I get upset sometimes, 
But I think I get upset less and less and less and less and less. I remember, and when I think about that, I think about my dad. And as a young teenager, I, I, you know, I'd been saved as a young teenager, but I was still learning. And sometimes I thought my dad was afraid because he was following the, the Word of God. And I learned dad was never afraid. It was that he had lived to the point where he was always giving himself to the Lord, always giving himself to the Lord. And we want fathers and mothers who are always giving themselves to the Lord so they can teach us. They can teach us. And some of our fathers and mothers in the kingdom are younger than some of us, but God has so, done something in them. They can teach us. And so that's why we must be embedded in the Word of God and have the Word of God embedded in us so that we can teach others, so that we can lead others, so that we can be an example to others, so that we can be the bright shining lights in this dark world. This is a very dark and gloomy world. If you don't see that, and you're not going to be able to make it right. You're not going to be able to make this, this, wrong, this wrong world right because there are too many men and women who don't want God. And a lot of them are our leaders in the world. Yeah, I don't get too close to him. I'm close to you. But no, I, I stay close to Jesus. But I watch the, all, the, all of the others with the microscope. No, I'm not judgmental. I'm not looking for fault. But, but the Holy Spirit is this great light that's shining on this stuff. And if you can't see it, just, you just keep on looking. Verse 13, he says... In verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourself to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. So this is what he wants you to do. He doesn't want you to, to use uh, your body, your, 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 your body here in any way to sin. And I'm just going to say something and, uh, that we need to hear. We as be believers and parents, parents and, uh, we need to make sure that we hold our children, our grandchildren, to God's strict standard of righteousness. Amen. Amen. Let's hold them to that strict standard of righteousness. And don't feel so sorry for them that we coddle them in their sin. One of, the, one of the reasons that I'm standing up here today is because my, my father and my mom never coddled me. They always told me what's right. And I, I want us all to tell our children what's right. The world does not have a right to redefine what God says is wrong. And, and let, let them. Yeah. Because that is, a, that is contradicting God. That is trying to nullify God's speech, God's words. We, are, we, we belong to the Lord, and God the Father has been so gracious and generous to us that he placed us in his son, his darling son, Jesus. And that's where we are today. We are in the Christ sphere, Christ sphere. That's where we operate, in the Christ sphere. So I'm going to pray, and then I want to ask, I want to also ask if there's anybody under the sound of my voice here that you've come here, but you've not given yourself to Jesus Christ, and, and uh, the message has convicted you today, I want you to, to give your heart to Jesus. But firstly, I want to pray for all believers, and then I'm going to come back. I want to pray for all believers here. 
Uh, so, so let us pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, I want to thank you for all believers in this house that we live in the Christ sphere. That means in the realm of Christ, in his dominion. And uh, he has conquered death, and he doesn't die again. He, he lives now to God. His life that he lives is totally to you. It's not in reference to sin. He's already paid the sin debt. And so Paul tells us that we need to live our lives in reference to you also. So I'm asking you, Father, that you would cause all of us to set our affections on things above, not on the things that are on the earth, because we died, and now our life is hidden with you in God. I pray that we would know what that means and not be Christian and trying to be secularly relevant at the same time. We thank you, Father, for that. In the name of Jesus, no problem. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you. We bless you. We bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Save us from ourselves and this untoward world. Sir. Sir. Please. Please. So thank you, Father, for enlightening us and raising us up in Christ's glorious and holy name. Amen. I'm going to come down.